Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Are you good this morning? Oh, that is so much better. I've told you guys this before, preachers, we need feedback. Yeah? So who's going to be giving me some amens while I preach? I just want to know where I need to look. <laughs> can I count on you, Nick? We need encouragement, yeah? We need encouragement. Good. We have been preaching through the book of Galatians. I trust you've been encouraged through the series. I have been, as I was preparing to preach for this morning, I just really felt God reminding me of some things again this morning. Uh, And I think I've said this before. It's either in 1 Peter or 2 Peter. Peter says, he says to the people that he's talking to, he says, you need reminding because you are human beings and you forget. And I felt God reminding me again uh, this weekend as I, as I was preparing. So I trust that you're going to be encouraged this morning. I trust that you are potentially going to be reminded. And I trust that potentially if you're not quite sure about this thing called walking by the Spirit, that this morning something is going to land. There's going to be a revelation for you this morning. So if you have your Bible and you'd like to read out your Bible, please turn to, yes, the book of Galatians. Uh, we are going to be speaking out of <clears throat> chapter 5 this morning. If you don't, we are going, I'm going to have the scripture up on the screen. Uh, but just to let you know, so Mark and Cans are getting some rest. Uh, Mark <laughs> is a little bit of a reptile. He needs sun. He just, I don't, if you don't know about this, Mark, he's, uh, no, he's, he's, not the, he's not the most dark-skinned fellow in the world. Uh, he's quite pale, uh, but he needs sunshine. And so they were in Durban for a couple of weeks uh, just getting some vitamin D. I know there's some other, yes, there are. There are some other friends of ours who spent a few days in Durban just getting some nourishment from the sun because we haven't had too much of it over here. I've been struggling to warm up this morning. I don't know about you guys. So I'm going to be moving a lot. Yeah, I'm going to be moving a lot. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so there's my mate who ran. We ran tw- I ran 28 Ks yesterday. That does it, hey? 28 kilometers. There's my mate who ran together. It was 6 o'clock in the morning. It was freezing cold. It was raining. And I was warm. I was okay. This morning, though, oh, struggling. So I'm going to walk around a bit, and we're going, to, we're going to get some energy going. So let's read out of... Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says this. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. Verse 18 is a, is, a, is a verse that we potentially just kind of skip over, but it's an important verse this morning. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, and I'm not going to read through all of them this morning. Uh, I think most of us are quite familiar with those. I'm going to pick it up again a little bit later into, in verse 21. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things 
there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This piece of text is an incredibly important piece of text. And I am concerned that for some of us, this text is just a little bit too well known. I even believe that some, some of us who don't even, haven't really been in church circles, who uh, haven't really listened to many preachers, even know this scripture. And sometimes that can be dangerous. When scripture becomes very familiar, it can be a little dangerous. I'm trusting this morning that we find some fresh revelation in this scripture. But before we unpack that, we're actually going to reverse slightly, and I'm going to take you to verse 13 and verse 14 of chapter 5. That's where we're going to start this morning. And Paul says this, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The command to us is to love. <clears throat> it's not optional. It doesn't say there, um, if you feel like it, or if you're having a good day, or actually, if you like the person, you may love them as yourself. Those that you maybe struggle with, that's okay. <laughs> say hello and move on. No, no, it's quite categoric. It says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, what Paul is saying is that in our freedom, we are called to freedom, and in this freedom, we are to desire and seek the happiness, the joy of others. This is contrary to natural inclinations. I'm going to be honest with you, I struggle. I struggle to love. It's easy for me to love those that are easy to love. Yeah? But what Paul's asking us to do here, I struggle with. I actually realize that, you know what? If this is the Christian life, this is beyond my power. I am not able to do this in my own power. I actually find this almost utterly impossible. And actually, when I read this on its own, when I just look at this command to love others like myself, I'm actually a little discouraged. If I just read it there, if I just leave it there, I'm discouraged because I realize I can't do it. I am completely and utterly incapable of doing it. But, but, Paul uses a lot of buts. He's, in just about every single sentence, he starts with but. And what that usually means is that there was a discouragement or there was a, a strong piece of text before that. And then he says, but. And that's exactly what he does in verse 16. He says, but. So he lands with this, you are to love others as you love yourself. I know that is a very tough thing to do. And in yourself and in your own power, you are not going to be able to do it. But. But. If this Christian life looks too hard, the encouragement is this. We were not meant to live it on our own. We are not meant to walk it out by ourselves. And I'm not talking about community here. I'm not talking about the church here. I'm talking about the Spirit of God. The command to love is not a new burden. It's not a new legalistic burden that God places on us. 
It happens when we begin to walk by the Spirit. It happens by the power of the Spirit, not in the power of ourselves. See, the problem is that when we begin to love those outside of the power of God, it becomes a human effort. It becomes a human effort. And actually what I'm doing then is I'm not actually loving. What I'm doing then is I have an emptiness and I need to fill it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to love you, even those who sometimes forget my name. I'm going to love you because I have an emptiness to fill. That is not love. When God said, love those as you love yourself, what he's saying is, you need to be full with the fullness of God, and out of that, you love others. It is impossible to love others out of your emptiness. But in order to do that, we need to learn to walk by the Spirit. And that's where we start today. So that was just an intro, if any of you were wondering. And now, we'll get into the crux. So, Paul talks about walking by the Spirit. And sometimes, I remember when I was a, a new Christian, and you, I would hear phrases like, uh, we need to walk by the Spirit, as an example. And I would go, cool. As a new Christian, I, was, I had made a decision early on that... I was just going to do something. So I might not necessarily understand it, but I would do it. Yeah? And I'll try to figure it out a little bit later on. So the how was very important to me. I needed to know how. So you saying, Paul, you're saying in the Bible, we need to walk by the Spirit. How? How do I do this? I need to know. So today, if you are asking the question, how, you're in luck. You're in luck. We're going to answer, I hope, three questions today. What, why, and how? What is it to walk by the Spirit? Why is it so crucial that we walk by the Spirit? And then the crucial how. How do we walk by the Spirit? So let's start with the first. Paul, thankfully, gives us some resounding clues in this piece of text that we read earlier. And in verse where are we? Verse 18 and 22, he gives us some really key clues as to what this walking by the Spirit means. In verse 18, Paul says this. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit. And this is important because he doesn't say, but if you follow the Spirit. There is a fundamental difference between me being led by the Spirit and me following the Spirit. The first being led by the Spirit is the focus, the emphasis is on the Holy Spirit. If the text said, if you follow the Spirit, the emphasis would be on me. It would be in my power, I would be doing the following. I'm going to give you two pictures. It will hopefully give you an idea. The first is a picture involving cycling. And suddenly some guys are going to sit up and go, oh. Cycling. I enjoy a bit of cycling. And uh, the Tour de France on the moment, I'm going to be honest, I love the Tour de France. I could actually literally just sit in front of the TV for hours watching the Tour de France. For some of you, that is probably the most boring thing on the planet. But if you've caught anything of it, if, you do, if you've ever seen any cycling, you'll see that in, in some stages when they're getting to the finish, there's this 
it looks like mayhem. There's just this huge bunch of cyclists, and they all kind of they've just ridden 200 kilometers, and they're getting to the finish. And now these guys are sprinting with all their might and all their power on their bicycles. And for some of the teams where they where they have these sort of these these sort of incredibly strong sprinters, he will have a team of guys that will lead him into the finish line. Yeah, so they will, they will almost sort of, if you're not in a great position in that massive group of cyclists, they will help him get into a good position, and they will lead him in. And at the, at the right time, they will get out the way, and the lead sprinter will go off and do what he does best, and hopefully he'll win. That is not the right picture for today in terms of being led by the Spirit, because that sprinter dude who goes and gets the victory, he still has to do all the work. Yeah, he still has to cycle, he still has to push really hard. In fact, he's probably going to end up doing more work than the guys that led him in. So that's not the picture that you want to create today. The picture for today, Timo, you're going to love this picture, uh, because Tim likes trains. You can go ask him afterwards about some trains. The The picture for today is a locomotive. So when you look at a train and you have a locomotive in the front, yeah, the big engine in the front, and then you have all the cars behind it, all the carriages, cars. Cars, is that the right word? doesn't matter. They are led by the locomotive. They have no power in themselves. They have no power on their own. They can do nothing. They have to be coupled to the locomotive, and they go where the locomotive takes them. That is the picture that Paul is creating here when he says we need to be led by the Spirit. No power in ourselves. All we do is we hook up to the power of the Spirit. We stay connected to the divine source and we go where He goes. That's the picture that we want to create today. So that's the first clue that Paul gives us. He says we are to be led by the Spirit. Fantastic. The second clue that he gives us in verse 22, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc., etc. Again, the emphasis is on the Spirit. The text does not say you are led by the Spirit and then you will produce fruit. No, no, it says the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit produces fruit in you. You stay connected, and he, will produce the, and he will produce the fruit. There is a key element here, and I don't want us to think that we actually just do not do anything. You know, we literally just sit back and do nothing. There is something to be done, and essentially it's about choice. It's about will. You have to choose to be connected. Yeah? That is up to you. God will do the rest, the power of His Spirit will do the rest, but you have to choose to remain connected to the source. Jesus in, chapter, in John 15 verse 4, Jesus talks about abiding in the vine. Some of you will be familiar with that scripture. Abide in the vine. He says, abide in me and I'll abide in you. That abiding, that is choosing, that is me you taking my will and submitting it to God. I will choose to stay connected to the Spirit. So in terms of the what, what is this walking by the Spirit? It is, number one, it's being led by the Spirit in His power. And number two, it's allowing the Spirit to bear fruit in me. The one is connected to the other. So that is the what. Let's talk a little bit about the why. Why is it so crucial that we walk by the Spirit? I want to I tell you guys... 
Don't ever be afraid to ask God questions. In fact, He wants you asking Him questions. He's not scared of your difficult questions. Yeah? He's not scared of your difficult questions. So if you're sitting there and you're reading a piece of text or whatever, and you're saying, why? I just don't get this, God. Why? When you press into Him, He answers. So I just want to challenge you this morning, do not be afraid to ask God difficult questions. So, again, the text gives us two reasons why it is important, why it's critical that we, rem- that we walk by the Spirit. The first is found in verse 16. Paul says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This friends, is a promise. See, again, he doesn't say here, walk by the Spirit and you might get lucky. Walk by the Spirit and maybe you'll be able to hang on and not gratify the desires of the flesh. He doesn't. He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's categoric. That's it. Walk by the Spirit. It's a promise. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, I think this is important. I think it's important to clarify the definition of the flesh. Because often we, when we read this in the Bible, we think of the flesh as this stuff. This, these physical bodies that we are in, um, some a bit more pristine than others. Hmm. After 28 Ks yesterday, I'm not feeling particularly strong. Um, but let me tell you this. Paul doesn't actually regard the body. The physical body that you're in is not evil in itself. It's a body. God gave it to you. You need to use it. It helps when we look after it. But he gave it to you to use. The the body is not evil. I'm going to ask Marie to put up the definition there. This is actually from a guy called John Piper. He defines the flesh as the following. The flesh is the ego which feels an emptiness and uses the resources in its own power to try fill it. Flesh is the I who tries to satisfy me with anything but God's mercy. The flesh is the ego which feels an emptiness but loathes the idea of satisfying it by faith. That is by depending on the mercy of God in Christ. Instead, the flesh prefers to use the legalistic or licentious resources in its own power to fill its emptiness. That's the flesh. I've never seen a better definition of the flesh. It's about me. It's about my ego. It's about me doing things in my power, the flesh. So it's no surprise then that in verse 17, Paul tells us that there is a war being waged in each one of us. There is a war happening in each inside of us. The flesh Versus the spirit. That me, the ego, the guy that wants to do things my way versus the spirit. Because when we start to walk in the spirit, it's actually not about me and me and I and about my power, but it's about submitting to the power of Jesus. So does this mean then that you are not a Christian if you are struggling with that war inside of you? Come on, let me see some heads up, down, sideways. Does it mean that I'm not a Christian because I'm struggling because I've got this fight going on inside of me? No. So 
everyone just brought, you know, if you were straight, if you're thinking, I've got this, this struggle going inside of me, um, but I, I've given my life to Jesus and, oh, I shouldn't anymore. I should be good. Uh, I, should, I should just be at peace. Relax. Now you can be at peace. Someone who has a war raging inside of them is actually a Christian. I think when we, if you're sitting here and, and you've got nothing going on, that actually everything is just so cool, yeah, um, typically that points to someone who's quite comfortable in their sin. But it's got to call a spade a spade. When we just get comfortable, yeah, we get comfortable with our thoughts, we get comfortable with our desires, we get comfortable with our actions. That's usually a dangerous place to be. But I want to encourage us this morning, because the reality is that the war that's going on inside of us, that's not the focal point. That's not the important piece. Because Paul actually says it in verse 16, he says, the victory belongs to the Spirit. So when we say yes to Jesus, well, actually what's happening now is that it's... I'll use my wife as an example. No, it's cool. So it's like... My wife likes to watch a movie by knowing what the outcome is. She prefers it that way. Tell me the plot. Tell me what's going to happen. This guy is going to kill that guy and uh, that's all good and she's happy and now she'll sit and relax and watch the movie most of us don't want to know they want to find out at the end <clears throat> but, but what Paul's doing here is actually giving he's actually telling us the outcome already yeah well my wife loves the bible yeah he's actually giving the outcome already he's saying the victory belongs to the spirit Yes, you're going to have some of these tug of wars. Yes, you're going to have some of these, these battles going on. But actually, the, the verse 16 is very categoric. The, the promise is the promise of the victory of, of the Spirit inside of us. The desires of the flesh will be conquered. So it's not saying there's not going to be a war. It's just going to say the, the victory, the winner, is the Holy Spirit. Verse 24, he actually says, The flesh has been crucified. The reality is, none of us are like Jesus, yet. We are being sanctified. We are, to be, we are becoming like Jesus. We are still human, and we still have fleshly desires. But the Spirit in you, the Spirit in you has victory over those desires. See, the mark of a Christian is that we don't allow those desires to become mature. We don't allow those, those fleshly desires to become actions. That's the mark of a Christian. Not that we don't have them, but that we allow the Spirit to conquer them. Say it again. <laughs> the second reason why it's so crucial that we live by the Spirit is found in verse 18. And this is one of those verses, I've, I've read the scripture many times before, and I've glossed over this one. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So you know what, this does not mean that we don't have to fulfill the law. There's a big difference between being under the law and needing to fulfill the law. We still need to fulfill the law. Let me clarify. Verse 13 and 14, which I started with, says this, Through love... 
Be servants of one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, when we are led by the Spirit, we are not under the oppression of the law, because what the law requires, the Spirit produces. The law requires that we love. The law requires that we love our neighbor like ourselves. We can't do that in our own power. But the beautiful thing is when I walk by the Spirit, the Spirit produces it in me. Right now, you should be taking a big sigh of relief. Verse 22, the all-encompassing fruit of the Spirit is love. Verse 14 says, this fulfills the whole law. So we're no longer under the law. We don't have to um, practice all of those things of the law. What, what God's calling us to do now, he says the law is fulfilled by loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Be led by the Spirit, and he'll produce it in you. My word. Case closed. So we looked at what? What is this walking by the Spirit? We looked at the why. It's so crucial to walk by the Spirit. I'm going to look at the how now. And some of you might not have listened to the first two points, but right now you're sitting in the edge of your seat because you want to know how. It's the million-dollar question. I know in my early walk as a Christian, this was a big thing for me. How? And if I'm honest, I overcomplicated it sometimes. Because I, I think for some of us, we feel like we need to be in some sort of spiritual plane. Like, you know, we, we no longer actually walk. We've got to kind of just glide above the ground. And, I, and I'm being silly, but I'm doing it on purpose. That's not what, God doesn't call us to that. Here's the statement. You walk by the Spirit when your heart is resting in the promises of God. You want to walk by the Spirit? You want to be led by the Spirit? Have faith in the one who sent Him. The Spirit reigns over flesh in your life when you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for you and now is working everything together for your good. You want to be led by the Spirit? Have faith in the promises of God. I'm going to give you two pieces of evidence. There are actually quite a few in the book of Galatians. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to make it simple. Galatians 5, 6 says this. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Only faith working through love. Genuine faith always produces love because faith pushes out guilt. Faith pushes out fear. Faith pushes out greed. And faith then gives us an appetite for the power of God's glory. Genuine faith produces love. Cool. So we've got faith and we've got love. Let's go back to verse 22 that says, Love is the fruit of the Spirit. So if faith produces love, and love is a fruit of the Spirit, the connecting thing there is love, therefore, to be led by the Spirit, I need to have faith. Does that make sense? Does it make sense? Are you sure? It's important. 
This is an important, important uh, fundamental element that we need to hold on to. I want to be led by the Spirit. I need to rest in the promises of God. I need to have faith in His promises. Faith produces love. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. That's the first piece of evidence. The second, from Galatians 3, 5, says this. Does He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? You need to answer that question. Yeah? So God supplies the Spirit. He does miracles among us. And how does He do this? By law or by hearing of faith? The Spirit does His mighty work in and through us by us hearing in faith. We are sanctified by faith alone. The way to walk by the Spirit and so not fulfill the desires of the flesh is to hear the delectable promises of God for us to then trust in them, for us to delight in them, and for us to rest in them. You want to be led by the Spirit? Have faith in the delectable promises of God. In closing, I want to give you some examples from my own life. Um, you can put up those uh, three scriptures, Marguerite. So, the reality is, this does require some effort. I know sometimes we think, we, we kind of listen to these, 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 these preachers and we, 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 we get to understand what it is to work. And we, when we don't work and when we do work. We can't work for our salvation. Yeah? We are saved by faith. But once we are saved by faith, <clears throat> there is some effort that is required on our part. We saw earlier that we needed, we need to make some choices. There's a will component that's involved here. For those of you who have, who have gotten married, you made the choice to get married, but now it requires some work, yeah? Because you're in a relationship and you can't just leave it. Yeah? There's some effort required on both sides. So I want to encourage you this morning that there's a little bit of effort. But the encouragement is this. It may seem at first like effort, but once we begin to devour those delectable promises of God. It's no longer effort. It, it's not effort. This book that we've got called the Bible documents his relationship with us. And from beginning to end is filled with the promises of God. If you want to know about God's promises in your life and over your life, you need to know what his promises are. It's not going to be any good for me to tell you about what God has spoken over my life because it's not your life. It's mine. He has promises for you. 
But I'm going to give you three examples. So when I um, had just uh, come to know Jesus, I, I had struggles in my life, like most of us do. And there were some things that I needed to know. And I still need to know them. Because there's times when I struggle. And I need to go back to those promises that I believed in. And I have to remind myself, God, you promised me this. I'll get, let, me, let me read a couple for you, for you. So the first one is, you make known the path, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I've spent a large proportion of my life trying to satisfy myself with fleshly desires and pleasures that did not satisfy. They were fleeting. And when I came to know Jesus, I found the scripture and I realized that in my struggles and in myself and in my, in my, in my weakness, I was not able to overcome them. Even when I reminded myself that I have a beautiful wife, even when I reminded myself that I've got amazing children, there were times where the flesh would overpower. Just knowing that was not enough. So I had to go to the scripture where the scripture reminds me, where God reminds me that he has pleasures forevermore. In him I will be satisfied. You see that that was a promise that he made to me and that's the promise that I sat on. I, I, I read that thing over and over and over again and when those fleshy desires welled up, I, I reminded myself of his promises. And what happened? I then was led by the Spirit away from the desire so that it would not come to fruition. Does that make sense? I'll give you another example. He brought me into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. When I came to know God, I came out of a very, very narrow space. You see, when you are living life in your own power, trying to satisfy yourself, it is a very, very, very confined space. But then God takes you out of that and he brings you into, into a very spacious place. There's another scripture that says he has brought us into heavenly places. Heaven is not a tight little box where we can't move. Heaven is full of space. Yeah? I need to remind myself that he has brought me into a spacious place. And every now and then when, when I'd hear that voice that actually, no, you're still stuck there, I would go back to that promise, actually, no, Lord, you delighted in me, you loved me, I wasn't just a number, you chose me and you brought me into a spacious place. I keep reminding myself of the promises that he has spoken over my life. You need to do the same. The last one I'm going to uh, share with you this morning is... Uh, when I was newly saved, uh, some, most of you know Wally, and um, as any new Christian, I wasn't quite sure what to do and where to start. So he uh, said, got to get a Bible, cool, get a Bible, and now what? Where do I, he said, read Book of John, start with John, and uh, if you're sitting out there and you don't know where to start, and you start with the Book of John, you, you, you won't go wrong. So I read the Gospel of John, and I came across this scripture in chapter 8, that says, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I knew I'd come out of slavery. I knew that my addictions were my bondage, that they held me so captive, they held me so tight, but that God had rescued me from that. 
That was the promise. And every now and then where I felt like maybe I was going to slip back into this thing, I go back to that promise and it says to me, the Son has set you free, you are free. You are always free, there's no going back. You are free. Yeah? The, the, the Son's work is done, there is no going back. You are free. I need to keep reminding myself of that promise. I want to encourage you this morning. There are promises over your life. You need to go and you need to find them. They're in here, and they're just for you. There's there are promises that God speaks over us that we need at different times of our lives. These are examples that I've given you right now. These promises are not exactly they are, they are banked. I have them. There are other things going on in my life now. I need to, they are fresh. There are new promises that God has spoken over me. I need to find them. I need to know what they are. I need to be in here. I need to be led by the Spirit. And the way I do that is I rest in the promises of God. He is calling us today to do a little bit of work. To find the promises He has spoken. But I promise you this, that once you start to find those, it will no longer be work. It will be absolute joy. When you start to feel, and you know, trust me, when you, find, when you find that scripture in here and you know that God's speaking to you, it is ridiculous. Yeah? It is beautiful. You cannot get enough of it. You will read that thing over and over and over again. You will weep. You will cry. You will laugh. You will, all those. God is speaking to you. Promises. Now pray for us. Let's stand. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful. You are faithful, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That you never break a promise. You never go back on a promise. It is, it is impossible for you to do that. Thank you, God, that you have spoken promises over us. Delectable promises. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you sent the Spirit. I pray this morning, Lord, that we would be led by the Spirit. That we would be led by the Spirit. I trust this morning, Lord God, that we realize just how much we need you. Just how much we need the Spirit of God in our lives. We thank you today, Lord. Thank you today, Lord, that you love us this much that you would give us your Holy Spirit. I trust this morning, Lord God, that we would rely on you. I trust this morning, Lord God, that we allow your Spirit to work in us. I trust this morning, Lord God, that we will find your promises that you've spoken over us. That we will hold them so dear. Wherever you are this morning, I just... Right now, in this moment...
think God's needing to remind us a little bit. I know he reminded me again this weekend of some important elements to my relationship with him. He didn't remind me that, hey, you need to know your Christian theory better. It reminded me of my relationship with him. I think some of you are standing here this morning, and when I started speaking about those promises, I know that some of you are standing here this morning, you know these promises that He's spoken over your life. I believe God wants to tell you this morning that He wants to remind you that He is faithful. He is faithful. Your timing is not His timing. His timing is perfect. He has spoken promises over your life. And he will not break them. Lord, I pray if there's anything this morning, the one takeaway this morning, Lord God, our relationship with you. Our relationship with you. Jesus came to make a way to the Father. He came to give you access to a Father in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, that you sent your Spirit. I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that we'd put aside our egos, we'd submit to your will, and allow you to lead us this morning. We love you, Lord. Our faith is in you and you alone. Amen.